Welcome to the Texas Law Dog Podcast, where we will get you off, literally and legally. Your weekly true crime podcast from the criminal defense lawyer's perspective. Join the Texas Law Dog and co-host Akash as they venture into the nitty-gritty of the criminal justice system and explore how there may be practical solutions to cleaning it up. Any and all content produced should not be construed as formal legal advice, used for educational, marketing, and solicitation purposes only. Some information may be factual. All guests have agreed to use their real names and likenesses. All views and opinions expressed by the Texas Law Dog reflect the opinions of Texas Law Dog LLC only and should not be construed as formal or informal legal advice by a practicing attorney. The Texas Law Dog will not get you off, literally or legally, despite what he may claim. A couple other notes I wanted to go over before we got into the meat and potatoes. Oh, my grandparents listened to the podcast. And um, I guess my family, I, I never told my family that I got a DWI. So surprise. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, like they that, didn't know, um, which I guess like my parents, like they were like, um, they didn't know everything else. You, were, you talked about a lot. You talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like the people they, that support me that were actually going to listen to it. I got to listen, and they uh, they got a they got a couple of nuggets of truth in there. So, uh, no, I am not perfect, and uh, yes, I have screwed up. But I think that my overall point of that story is going to be a really good lesson. Um, I actually, we're not going to have our first guest this week. We're going to have him on hopefully next week and it will uh, hopefully be my attorney for that case. So he will give you some really good insight. Is my, I, uh, I also forgot to mention, importantly, I got thrown off track in the first episode, but I mentioned Gerald Goins, uh, which is that Houston narco- HVD narcotics officer. He, um, I didn't mention what happened, which is that him and his SWAT team of narcotics police officers like raided this couple's house and they killed them. So there are people dead from that case. And I'm actually going to try and have their attorney that represents the family on the podcast on a future episode, wherein he will explain kind of everything that went down in that case. So that's something to look forward to. Um, and, And as far as how it ties into police accountability, everything like that, we're going to get, we're going to get all into that stuff. And I mean, it's going to be kind of a slow ride. You know, it's, it's, if we're doing an hour a week, you're not going to get everything right away. You're just going to keep tuning in. Like today we're going to go over sort of how I use jury selection um, tools and kind of give you an inside look in that and, and, uh, and how you pick a jury and how you ask the questions. But uh, we're also going to talk about a case that I had this week where I almost had to handcuff myself to my client outside of a bench and get dragged into the courtroom. So that is been my week this week. It's been, I didn't flash myself to anyone on zoom, which has been a, a, a market improvement from last week. But I think that, uh, this has been a really stupid week. Um, so I can't look, I can't wait to tell you guys all about it. Let's, um, Let's get into it first, though, with some, uh, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about what's coming up on the podcast. I told Akash, first segment alert. Wait, we need a noise. (laughs) No, no, no. We have a jingle. (laughs) Put the jingle in right here. And then I'm going to create the text for it right now. It's going to be like, this is the phone note segment where we discuss the notes in our phone to make the podcast a better podcast. And if you just want to repeat that every time, you can do that, but make the video and audio a little bit better. Um, first note that I have is fuck daylight savings time. Your, your thoughts. Bro, uh, my first impression of daylight savings time is whenever we were in, in Austin for a Halloween weekend or whatever, that first Halloween weekend, the, the night everyone goes to 6th Street. So we would be out. So even we, I actually went to A&M, so we would visit in uh, texas oh God. we would visit austin school no not really but uh, they had the, the street was amazing okay, Sixth street was, all my Sixth street was awesome, bro, all you so. very very much but yeah we <laughs> we would stay out and then like it would be one o'clock and we just get hammered for the last hour as always and then at two o'clock it would go back to one o'clock so so in that respect, we had a whole other hour. <laughs> oh yeah, you got an extra, you get an extra hour at the yeah, bars. Yeah, they and the bars get an extra hour to make money. So that is back in my drinking days. That was the best. You yeah. get an extra hour to drink every year. Give me a break. There's nothing better than that. So, but now 
it just fucks with my body. And like, honestly, at this point, I think it's, I, I, I don't want to go full coincidence theorist, but I think that there's no need for it anymore. So I don't know why we still do it. I think we should have daylight longer. I think the people that are in charge want to make it so that it's like dark at six and then not eight, which is absurd. Uh, I don't know why people would want to feel the need to be depressed all year. So we need to look into this people. Uh, if I have any daylight savings experts out there, give me a, give me a, do we have a, do we even have an email? Did you set up an email for the podcast? I, I mentioned in the second episode that if people wanted to reach out about their addiction issues, they could, and then they don't have any way to, to reach. They can reach out on the, the, the word. they can reach out. Yeah, you're right. We will post an email. Yes, I am right. I'm always right. Akash. What is our email address? Uh, I mean, I'll let you know once I make it, we don't have it yet. <laughs> We, it's, it's info or support. What am I paying you for? Support at the text. Have you heard of Barry Delabate? Have you heard of him? You're not paying me for this. I'm going to... You, you should start paying. You should start. We can talk about that later. <laughs> yes, he turns the tables on me. <laughs> oh, I fucking love you, brother. Okay. Um, yes. Daylight savings is fucked. Number two. Uh, true crime. Yes, we are. We will be talking about true crime. It's not going to be politics. I just needed to shame everybody to get a feeling of who I was. Uh, and honestly, I think that that was good. I think that what I said in the second episode was important. But I'm not going to harp on it uh, forever. I am going to go over a little bit of the election stuff while I'm doing my meme presentation. But uh, for the most part, you know, I think that we can leave it at that either the country doesn't appear to be unifying so uh, all i can uh, suggest at this point is to stop watching the news and live your lives and try your best you can to realize that it's not going to affect your day-to-day -day that much um, even though they're telling you that it will so i mean that's all i can really say is just just go out there and focus on making yourself successful focus on what you can control people uh we will get back into the true crime part of this and i mean obviously we're gonna we're gonna get into some fun cases i've got a uh, uh a buddy who's been harassing me to come onto this podcast because he is a west point grad and he wants to get into military true crime so we're gonna do an episode on that uh there's a uh, netflix show that i just watched with my girlfriend that's pretty awesome it's called wilderness of error on hulu um, so if you haven't watched that, check that out. It's about a 1970 case that involved a, uh, army doctor and he brutally murdered his wife and two children. Um, and the alternative theory is that it was done by this, uh, hippie chick that was supposedly at the location of the house while the murders were occurring. Very interesting case. Uh, I have a friend who loves true crime. She's going to come down here around Thanksgiving, and we're going to record an episode discussing that. So look forward to that. Um, we're going to have an episode where we go over rules of evidence for lay people. So uh, most people don't know how court cases work. Is everything is evidence based. So we'll kind of go over the procedures and how it officially uh, you get stuff into uh, a court case or not um another note oh trump caravan look i don't have a dog in this election but man we were driving i was running an errand the other day and i don't know if this is a thing going around in the country but like i i saw this this caravan of like shitty trucks that were jacked up and like vans and stuff with like hashtag save the children across the back windshield the other day and they I almost caused a massive pile up on i-10 and it really pissed me off so that was in my notes um, please stop doing that, people. Uh, you, you have the right to express yourself, but if you cause other people harm or potential harm by trying to prove your point, you're being a fucking idiot. Uh, this is an accountability podcast. You know what that means? Are you even listening? The accountability, I mean, I didn't... I Wait, are you rhetorical. even listening to me? I was, but I thought it was a rhetorical question for the audience. I didn't know you were specifically <laughs> talking to me. It sounded like a pretty impactful area. <clears throat> Is this an accountability podcast? But, <laughs> do, but do you know what that means? And then, and then you... No, I'm asking you. Do I know what an accountability podcast means? We're holding yes. ourselves and the others accountable to a standard we'll, that we set. We hold our listeners accountable. Yeah, and ourselves.
Sure. No, no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, we're lawyers. Come on, man. <laughs> One of us is. Oh, also, we need some office clips. Um, there's some great gold in there. I will send you the specific time. That was more of a personal note for the show. Uh, oh, and the episode title is going to be "You Got to Fight for Your Right to Go to Jail for Your Client." Just so you know, because that is what we're going to get into now, uh, which is this week. I was set for a case. Um, Set for trial on Monday, and it's a pretty big felony case. My client originally had a lawyer about a year and a half ago. He's been, he was in custody. He was arrested for this in like April of 2019. And he, excuse me, had been in custody since until July of 2020, halfway through the coronavirus pandemic before the judge finally cut his bond in half and put him on house arrest. So now, even though we're rating trial, he can't even be a tax-paying contributing member of society because he just has to stay at home. Still better than being in jail. But originally, we were supposed to try this case last March or March of this year and uh, while he was still in custody, which is why I was pushing to go to trial. Because uh, basically, this case, um, they're alleging that he uh, intended to burglarize a home and commit a, another felony, which was a sexual assault and that he barged into a house and, uh, or didn't barge into a house, but rather he knocked on the door of the wrong house while he was completely fucked up on drugs. And, uh, essentially they opened the door and he kind of just fell into the house. And what ended up happening is, there's a big discrepancy as to what went down. Um, basically, they're alleging that he whipped his penis out and that he was, you know, threatening to harass them. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, like, that doesn't make sense to me because, and I don't know, maybe I'll get a good, some good feedback for my potential jurors out there for this. But like, it, it, it's, it's all about intent, right? So when you're, when you're trying to prove a crime, you have to intend to commit it. But my guy, he's got, he's a, he's a convicted felon. He's got a lot of priors. He's not a perfect dude. He, uh, has had drug issues in the past and luckily he's like sober now. Like even in, like while he was in jail, he was able to get clean and, um, you know, he's got a freaking cross tattoo right in front of his forehead. So when I have a client like that and I, I, he's, he's got multiple convictions, so he's facing 25 to life if we roll the dice. So I've got a lot of weight on my shoulders, obviously, with that prospect um, coming up on you. And uh, so what happened was he went to the wrong house. They, they alleged that he took his penis out and laid down on one of their beds in their rooms. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even, I, I haven't heard from the witnesses because the first time I'm going to get to cross-examine them is at trial. But Honestly, it sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me because what ended up happening is, is that he got freaking beat up and robbed and then they called the cops and then the cops arrested him. So I don't, I, it, none of this case really made sense to me, but you know, the fact that he is facing a lot of time, he's putting a lot of trust on me uh, to, to sell that case, uh, which is that he didn't intend to go in there and burglarize anyone. It was if anything, it's a simple trespassing case. So I am forced on Monday, I get an email from uh, the coordinator of the court and they're the people that set all of the trials and the dates and stuff like that. And they're the people that you have to be, this is a really good lesson for young lawyers. They're the people that you need to be the nicest to. They are the secret to being a good lawyer actually is how you treat court staff. Because if you are nice to the coordinator, why is it on you? Okay, good. If you're nice to the coordinator, you will get a uh, a favorable. Um, generally, you're gonna you're gonna ha like it's just gonna be it's gonna be way better in your interest to not piss them off because they control your life and when you go to trial and when you don't. So she got I mean I got an email and she's like the judge wants to pick a jury on this on Thursday and so and 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 where I mainly practice is a huge county it's Houston so it's got a right now they have these completely asinine protocols in place that are for COVID. So like I, I mentioned in the first episode how we can't really do anything when we don't have juries. 
The problem now is that we have juries, but they aren't diverse juries. They, uh, the only people that we've been seeing come to court are largely white people. Uh, and that's a concern for us uh, from the defense bar's perspective, because when you have a tainted jury pool, it, it gives you a little bit pause as to whether or not you want to roll the dice on 25 to life when you have that prospect of black, brown, minority people scared to come to jury duty. And so I had to weigh the prospect of not only maintaining my clients, like every possible avenue for his rights to be protected. Like I wanted to try this case. I, I'm not scared to try the case, but I am scared to try it under these conditions. And that's what I told the judge, but the judge was going to make me go to trial on Monday. I had the impression that no continuance was going to be granted because a couple of weeks ago at the pretrial date, she stated that she wasn't granting any COVID-19 motions and that uh, I needed to be ready to go. And I, it didn't make any sense to me. This wasn't a murder. The guy's not in custody. He's got, he's on house arrest on bond. He can, you know, and like, it sucks because now he has to wait another four months. We did get the continuance granted luckily, but I was almost faced with a scenario where I, I had to call a couple, like, uh, it's funny. I mentioned Gerald Goins. His lawyer is, um, one of the top dogs in Houston and she is incredible. And so she's actually part of, uh, this the the thing called the strike force that will come to lawyers' aides when they're held in contempt. And so I was braced with the prospect of going to jail this week just because if the judge was gonna force me to try the case under these conditions, then like no one in the defense bar has been the guinea pig to take a stand and just not 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 partake in that. And so Luckily, I wasn't the guy who had to fall on that cross. Although I told you, I texted you, I said, Akash, what I text you about Thursday? Hold on, I can't hear you. You said, you said, can you come record? Uh, I'm going to have to handcuff myself to a bench outside of, <laughs> <laughs> outside of court this week. <laughs> I don't want to text my producer. I'm going to have to handcuff myself to my client. But God damn it, I would. And I'm sorry. I accidentally sent an email asking for advice to this, this individual lawyer who is, she is um, really good at helping lawyers. So when you people don't know, when you are a lawyer, like I've been threatened to get held in contempt many times, if you guys can guess that. Uh, it's probably a record, honestly. I've got the great Robert Parnum, one of the best Harris County lawyers I've met, uh, Bob Parnum, he, he, he told me always have a motion for a hearing uh, ready to file in your briefcase. So whenever I go to court, I've always got a motion for a hearing because when you are thrown in contempt, you can hand the handwritten motion to the clerk as they're dragging you into the jail cell. And the judge has to give you a hearing on uh, the merits of holding you in contempt right there. A lot of lawyers don't know that. If you don't have that in your briefcase, you're behind people and you practice criminal law. Please get that motion in your briefcase. If you don't have it, email me. We'll get it to you. Anyway, um, you've got to be prepared to take a stand for your client. So I sent an email out to the entire listserv of the Houston bar on accident when I meant to email one person. This is something that I do. This is like uh, my life. But I was just essentially like, hey, I'm going to, I'm just letting you know, like, I might need you Thursday uh, for the following reasons. And um, if I need to handcuff myself to my client on the bench, I'm going to probably do that and, you know, have all the local news networks there to, to film my limp, lifeless body being dragged into the courtroom against my will. And I just wanted to make you aware of that. <laughs> and then uh, I, I got a bunch of responses from some rural lawyers that were like, Hey, you big pussy. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you need to be going to trial. Do your job. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. If you practice out in rural Texas, like everything is normal honky-dory, but it is not that way in the big cities right now. So it was been a, it's been a very interesting week for the law dog. He, uh, <laughs> I, I was texting my mentors and just like, they're like, man, you would. Like, this is you. It always happens. Like, this kind of stuff happens to me. And hilarious because i i never want i don't desire these situations but um luckily the the judge she 
she heard the girlfriend thing and then was like, yeah, I'm granting this because she knew like she was going to be in the wrong if she didn't grant it. And like, I told the DA, give me a good deal, bro. Like, come on, this is a circus and he loves it. So he's not going to do that. And I, it's fine uh, because that's the way that the system works. And unfortunately now we have to wait for more months for justice for my client. But in the same breath, I, I'm giving him an opportunity for a fair trial in my opinion. So it's been a very interesting week. And I mean, it's going to be tough. Like as we go through this whole COVID. Why do you think, why do you think his trial will be fairer in four months? Well, I don't, I don't know. I think that, um, it, we might, it might even be the same. Uh, but that, doing it under these conditions now, I mean, just wasn't going to do him any favors. So like he obviously was frustrated by this news because I had to tell him, look, I'm, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I can't like, I want to try your case, but at the same breath, I want to try it under fair conditions because we got to remember we're, we're picking a jury at NRG stadium. Generally you're picking a jury in a courtroom where everyone's sitting together and the, there's like four rows of benches and in a, misdemeanor trial generally they send 60 people into the room to pick t six people from and with a felony they usually send in like 100 to pick 12 and uh what they've done now is they've separated everyone out and they've given them like earphones and stuff so but you have to wear a mask i'm like you're in a freaking huge uh it's an NRG stadium which is where the like I took the bar exam it's a huge huge like arena hall like where the rodeo is and so you're like you're yelling or you're talking into excuse me talking into a mic and uh it's not normal it's not normal at all because like I I can't have the same rapport and camaraderie I have with people if they are all number one, kind of scared to be there or like hesitant just based on how everything looks. Um, they did try to make it a little bit normal. Like once you actually pick the jury, they go back to the courthouse uh, and the jury sits out in the, in the uh, gallery, which is very bizarre because you're not looking at them uh, while you're, uh, it just depends on the court and how they do it. But there's a lot of Sixth Amendment and Eighth Amendment issues that are ripe for appeal. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what goes on with that and how, you know, the people that are going to trial and taking a chance right now, I don't know what's going to happen on appeal. Uh, we got a really solidly like Republican appellate system. So I think that they're going to uphold all of these like, hey, this is good enough kind of thing. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be an interesting time because I mean, yeah, like you said, when it comes around to March and we're maybe dealing with the same thing or something worse, potentially, uh, it's going to make it that much harder to do my job. So I don't know. We'll, we'll no, hopefully... it was, um, it was really helpful that you clarified how the, how important the jury's preframe coming into the interaction is to the, uh, absolutely. The yeah. Right? I mean, they're coming into a massive warehouse now where, it's you know it's it's not normal it's right not a their courtroom. state matters their state before they enter the interaction matters to the overall absolutely i want people itself. to be comfortable and like in a laughing mood and this that's is crazy so are there have you, has anyone looked at the has anyone looked at the numbers are are more people getting unfavorable jury verdicts nowadays or what i don't know i haven't heard so in harris county i haven't actually heard of anyone that's had to go to verdict yet I was going to be, that's why I was scared. I was going to be the guinea pig. I don't want to be that person. Uh, you never want to be first. That's <laughs> your law license on the line for Christ's sake. So you've got to like make, you have to, you have to make decisions that protect your client, but you also are thinking about yourself because you, it's like, this is how you earn income. You need to consider that. And so you're caught between a rock and a hard place. And uh, it is part of the job sometimes. And I signed up for it. It's, all good baby uh i think that honestly if anything it's bringing light to the fact that <clears throat> we've got to figure out a way to make it somewhat normal during covid because if if this continues on for another year then i don't know how it's going to be sustainable uh because we're gonna have so much backlog that uh, there's no way we're going to be able to catch up it just isn't going to be possible so i hope that 
between now and next year, we have some miracle man who comes up with a congruent plan for us. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. So we'll just keep piecemealing it. Uh, but like, I think that <clears throat> it was important for people to understand uh, that while juries are back in some counties, they aren't normal. Uh, it's not the same system. It's not something where if your life was on the line, you'd probably feel comfortable going on. So I think that's important to get out there to the people uh, that, you know, like that was, <clears throat> that was my week this week is that I was just uh, figuring out how I was going to look an orange again. And uh, you know, it's not really my color. <laughs> Thanks for the half laugh. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into the law dog meme minute. Okay. Welcome to Law Dogs Meme. I, I wanted to kind of bring you guys into the fold as far as how I pick a jury, because a lot of the times I'll just throw up a keynote presentation and ask them questions uh, based on how they react. So um, I also, I want to, I want to put a little trigger warning in here for people because what I'm about to do is uh, I'm going to use the, uh, I, I, I screenshotted a bunch of memes that I saw on Tuesday night from the election, uh, shared across my Instagram. And uh, it was, I, I more saw the opinions from my liberal friends. I don't have many Trump friends that publicly support him because it is unsafe. So I saw like one post that was supportive of Trump. And other than that, I want to get into, though, like some of the things that we're seeing, because it ties into some of the stuff I was talking on my second episode. So for all my bleeding hearts out there, I love you guys. Because the memes you're about to see, these are the things that I would put up, and I would say, who agrees with this? And everyone that raised their hands, that's the people I want on my jury, because they're very sympathetic and empathetic, and they vote with their hearts and not their wallets. But I'm going to go into why we're in the state we are right now. Um, Okay, so here's what we know so far. This is clear. It is Friday after the election, and we still don't have a clear winner, right? There's not been an announcement as to who the president is. Is that correct? Everything is an apparent winner. So it, there's no everything. There, there, Wait, what? No, what is an apparent winner? Yeah, that's that's what that's what the so there's a projected winner and an apparent winner. I've had the news on all. So they a projected have, winner and an apparent winner. What does that what does that mean? I think uh, it was because of the. Uh, Remember in during the uh, the Bush Gore election, they predicted Florida early, and then that that had something to do with the outcome. So they don't want to fucking predict anything until. Were you even outcome. born then? Uh, almost. <laughs> it was a couple of years. <laughs> I, I was like ten years ago. All right, let's all let's. Well, I remember two thousand. Uh, but we all loved each other. Nine eleven hadn't happened yet. Now everyone fucking hates each other. Okay, so we woke up and we still don't. Uh, these are all from my my ninety day fiance fans out there. Uh. We're going to do an episode on that. Uh, I, I promise you, if we have any 90 Day fans, my girlfriend's in love with this show. I never knew about this show, but it's about a show where uh, these people, these Americans date like these foreigners and they go to their country and meet them. And then they, if they like them and they work out, then they're going to uh, bring them to America and they have 90 days to get married. Hit your hip. Uh, all right. Is, so you can see that it's not, it's, it's not the two slide. I'm not sharing the screen where I've got two slides, right? No. Right. What do you see right now? The fat guy. That's it. That's it. Okay. So, okay. Everyone might've seen the sign that looks like this. Um, but I made my own sign. Uh, and I'm going to actually, I had my buddy, he's a, he owns a t-shirt shop like four blocks away and I had him print this up for me, but I'm not going to actually put it in my yard. My girlfriend would never allow that. But, uh, the, in this house we believe, and for the people at home, um, that can't see this. The first meme was a uh, episode was a picture of the United States with crayon and blue and red and yellow drawn all over it. The second slide was uh, Ed from 90 Day Fiance looking like trash when he wakes up, and it says "Waking up on November 4th and still not knowing who won the election." This says, "In this house, we believe you'll think we're good people if we repeat the correct platitudes loud enough. Thinking is hard. Conformity is everything." Uh, and I think this is a good little example for um, some of the signs I've seen in my neighborhood because this is the sign that they should be putting up in their yard uh, instead of like science is real, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is kind of the more correct 
sentiment that a lot of these people that I've seen on Tuesday night when they thought it was going to go Trump's way started to really blast out their memes. So let's take a look. Next slide is called what gaslighting looks like. And gaslighting is a form of abuse and manipulation concentrated on making someone doubt their reality. Uh, and there's kind of like nine ways that you can gaslight someone. You can deny they said or did something even when you have proof. They accuse you of doing things that you know themselves have done. They turn others against you to take away your support system. They tell you that you are crazy. You are never right. You constantly feel like you have to defend reality. Your trust in yourself, intuition erodes. You always feel confused about whether you're on good terms and you're not allowed to have feelings and you find yourself collecting proof things happen so you can reassure yourself. So this is kind of what, uh, and then the next slide is about logical fallacies. And like, so the way that I would, <laughs> this is kind of how I present stuff. I'm just basically owning all of our virtue signalers in this presentation, but <clears throat> this is kind of how I throw up presentations for juries, just so y'all have a little bit of a, an idea. But uh, here's some classic logical fallacies, right? That we see every day in the media, uh, name calling, ad hominem, responding to tone, contradiction, counter argument, refutation, refuting the central point. So I, I saw a few memes on Tuesday night. And honestly, guys, like this really saddened me. I, I truly, I felt the need to speak on this just because like, it, it, we've got to stop. Like if you see people sharing this stuff, you need to call them out at this point because they're just gaslighters. And unfortunately they think they have carte blanche and everyone's on their side to say it, but 69 million fucking people voted for the president. And that's something that people need to like respect is that they have a fucking different opinion than them and that they voted with their wallets uh, and not their hearts. And like, so let's take this one. All right. Don't tell someone you love them, then vote for someone who will harm them. Let's break down the language in this meme. Don't tell someone you love them then vote for someone who will harm them. So clearly this is guilting people who are voting for Trump, right? Because you're harming them uh, by simply voting for a man. And I think that like, like posting this is, is dangerous because we're getting into like a, into like a, maybe like a brown shirt Marxist mentality when we have a bunch of memes like this. Like, for instance, the, the meme on the left here says, no matter how this turns out, the closest of this election affirms that America is a racist country, period. Most white people in America could care less about integrity, morality, character, equality, liberty, or justice. Only about preserving white supremacy. Uh, and the other meme says, vote as if your brother is gay, your house is on fire, your skin is not white, your son is transgender, your spouse is an immigrant, your water is unsafe to drink, your neighborhood is flooded, your parents need medical care, your child is a victim of gun violence, your best friend is a veteran with PTSD. Your sister is a missing indigenous woman. Your daughter is a sexual assault survivor. Vote as if your life depended on it. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <Who's>, <laughs> I mean, Jesus, could you get any more shameful? Like, what if someone, <laughs> what if I have a gay brother and my house is on fire and I still voted for Trump? Like, I, 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 I don't know. My life depends on it. Fuck. I mean, this is classic gaslighting, guys. Like, we've got to call people out to share this stuff because if you don't, like, they're going to win, okay? Um, I, I, it's just simply, like, they think they have carte blanche to post this Marxist propaganda. It's pretty hilarious. Here's some more. I voted in hopes of not having four more years of an openly racist, sexist, xenophobic, fascist president who doesn't pay taxes or believe in science, or care about the lives of a man. Science with a capital S. <laughs> 69 people, 69 million of your fellow Americans are all racist, sexist, xenophobic, fascist. So obviously we need to take up all their guns and like take away their ability to defend themselves and their rights. And literally we just, like, they are fucking savages. And here's my personal favorite one. I read a post over the weekend which said something like, after the election is over, your neighbors will still be your neighbors, no matter who is president. And we'll still have to live and work together. So what's important is that we choose is that we choose to be loving and caring humans, no matter who you vote for. It's a nice sentiment to make yourself feel better about your choice, maybe so you can sleep at night. But at the end of the day, we'll remember. We'll remember the ones who chose not. Wait, <laughs> we'll, re we'll remember the ones 
chose to support someone who does not value all lives, not women's lives, not LGBTQ lives, not immigrant lives, not black lives, not refugee lives, not indigenous lives, not lives of people of color. <laughs> claimed are forever altered by the pandemic. The ones who chose someone who condones and incites violence, bullying, incessant lying, someone who does not believe in science. This is great. Well, remember those who decided they don't care actually about all lives, only their own. So be sure. So sure, be caring and loving. Just know we'll, we'll remember. remember that body, bro. <laughs> I saw that one so much, and it's like. So wait, 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 Trump doesn't care about gays, immigrants, blacks, but why are all these people voting for him? I mean, he got a huge turnout of black and Hispanic votes this year. And so that argument doesn't hold any fucking water. I mean, give me a break. Like, this, this is the thing, guys, is you can't shame people for having opinions. And that was my point about the podcast on, on, on election day. And here's another one. This is Bob. He voted Republican. This is Bob's friend, Sally. Sally voted Democrat. Bob and Sally are still friends. Because Bob and Sally are both, and it says adults, but then it crosses out adults, and then it says white. Because Bob and Sally are both white, so the policies Bob favors don't hurt Sally. Isn't that convenient for them? <laughs> and then there's another one that says, this Trump supporter has been collecting bullets for over 20 years to, to stop anyone trying to take away our rights of the Constitution. How is this not terrorism? So here we have like this classic, I see this a lot with, with liberals and I love you bleeding hearts. I love you guys. I need your support. And I, I honestly, you're not going to like listening to me because I am going to call you out on your virtue signaling and I'm sorry, but it's just, it's, it's needed at this point. Um, because like, and the, and the people that, that blindly support Trump need to be called out too, obviously. And we're going to get into that, but like this stuff, Collecting bullets for over 20 years, trying to take away our rights of the Constitution. Well, that is actually a right of the Constitution to collect bullets for 20 years. Uh, it's not terrorism, in fact. It's a, uh, a constitutional amendment afforded you, uh, a right afforded you in the Second Amendment. And, like, a lot of people have a problem with that. And, like, I think that they think that if the, if the Democrats get in office, they're just going to take all the guns away. <laughs> it's never going to happen, people. You're going to have to come and take them. Like, and, and they better figure out a way to just wipe everyone out without the need for, you know, gun battles, because that's never going to happen in America. So this whole, like, socialist Marxist push, like, that all of you guys are dreaming about uh, is never going to happen here. I'm sorry, guys. Like, it's just not. Uh, there's too many people that, that are going to push back against that. And so unless you, like, I don't even know. I don't know how they, because they're not going to be able to do it in a way that's copacetic. So let's, let's go into a couple of the ones I saw for pro-Trump. Very few. <clears throat> this one says, I'm voting for sanctity of human life, the unborn child, fundamental rights life, medical freedom, religious liberty, the essential church, competitive healthcare, and patient choice, school choice, equal opportunity for all in the American dream, freedom of speech, a strong military, funded police, free enterprise, deregulation, lower taxes, Israel, the second- <laughs> Israel. <laughs> Of course, that's in there. <laughs> You've got to support them. Private stewardship of the environment, ending human trafficking, secure borders, traditionalist judges, and restraining courts, law and order, liberty and justice for all. And if you vote differently than me, I love you just the same. And so, like, <laughs> I see all the people who put this down, and like that, that is, um, it's not as vitriolic as the ones that are like guilting and shaming you, right? They're just explaining that's what they believe in. Uh, but also, it's, it would be triggering for all, my, for all of my bleeding hearts. So I do understand that. They probably never even saw one like this because they don't have any of the friends that disagree with them. But uh, there's another one that I saw that, that my buddy shared, and this is the same guy that's been begging me to come on the podcast. So when I eventually have him on, he wants to talk about uh, military true crime. We've got to stop ostracizing people for their political beliefs argue converse debate even fight a little but i'm an american before i'm a donkey or an elephant and that's how i treat other people we're not crips or bloods we're americans let's start fucking acting like it so that that tweet i liked that one but there's only one that i saw um the entire night that really made me happy and really made me smile and i'm i'm glad it was my it was my 14 year old goddaughter and thank god for her you know, in this world, because she's a shining ray of light. And like, um, she, she has not had the best example for a godfather. I, I very much put a lot of 
faith and credit in uh, her parents who uh, tasked me with the responsibility at 18. That was a huge mistake on their part at the time. Luckily, <laughs> they did not perish uh, in the last decade. So I have set every wrong example for her, but I'm also working on setting the right ones. So this, that being said, she, she posted this and, and I love her so much. And if, if, if you guys don't have someone like this in your life, you need to find somebody who's going to post shit like this. If you are my friend and you support Trump, you are my friend. If you are my friend and you support Biden, you are my friend. If you feel the need to degrade those who feel differently than you, maybe we are not friends. And I, this one only is the only meme I saw that really made me like smile because that, this, is, this is what needs to be shared. People feel differently than you in America, okay? It's what makes us great. And... Like I saw this, this made me laugh out loud. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, it's a meme, and it says the only thing the establishment truly fears, uh, and it's like this redneck with an American flag tank top and a and a rebel and a Confederate flag hat with guns, and he's he's bumping fists with a, a black guy with dreadlocks with uh, Malcolm X on his shirt and guns in his back, and they're both bumping fists and they're about to go fuck with the the establishment. So like this entire thing um is is essentially like how i would pick so like this presentation really is how i'd pick a jury like it would be can we stop sharing the screen yeah the reactions to it you got it back on me here we go yeah um yeah so like it, yes so i would i would throw up those memes i would throw up one at a time and i would say who agrees with this and then immediately i know who my bleeding hearts are uh in the jury pool so those are the people I want on my jury. I want everyone who's going to like consider compassion. And like, I want all of like the conservative, like hang them high people out. And that's who the government's looking for. So it's just that game, right? Where we're looking for different kinds of people because I'm not looking to sell 12 people. I'm looking to sell two or three, <laughs> so are you, two, two or three people who will convince the rest of the jury that they're never going to vote to convict my guy and that there's no way they do it. They'd rather die and they'll die for me in that jury room. That's who I'm looking to select out of the hundred people that walk into that room is one or two or three people that are going to go to war for me in the jury room. That's it. That's awesome, bro. That's, that's I think really... people that don't understand that, like, so when you, it, uh, people that don't use visual aids are doing themselves a massive disservice because when you get up and you're just like talking to the jury, that's boring. And like, people don't have something to look at. It doesn't stimulate their mind. You're not going to get, uh the reactions are you're not going to get because like when people don't say anything when they're getting picked for a jury you generally are predispositioning yourself to get picked uh because we don't know about your opinions so we just figure maybe you're on our side or maybe you're not but what happens is is like the judge once you stand up, so the DA gets their time I get my time and basically once we're done talking to the jury we go back and we have a packet of information with all of the potential jurors uh, before they come in. And it has like basic information about them, like their profession, their names, uh, what their spouse does. And so what I'm always looking for, um, cops, teachers, scientists, uh, engineers, depending on the case is who I'm trying to pick, uh, the person. Right. So if you have a really complicated technical case, you're going to want maybe an engineer who's going to be able to explain your side, but you don't want an engineer who's going to fight for their side. So it's very uh, difficult. It's a psychology experiment when you pick a jury. That's where you win and lose a case is, is picking in a jury. Because but I, think, I, think, I think a key part about what you were talking about is the fact that by using the visual aids, you're instead of, uh, you know how people always say, watch what they do, not what they say. You can't get as clear of a picture in this, the inner workings of what someone's, you know, which way they'll tend whenever it comes down to it, just by talking to them. But by seeing right. your and first that's how, response. Like, so I'm doing, I'm selling my case without giving them, the, you're not allowed to present any of the facts of your case when you pick the jury. So what I do is I drop hints about what the case is going to be about. So I would ask a question like, uh, for instance, about the case I talked about this week. Hypothetically out there, people, um, if someone barged into your house and was completely screwed up on drugs, would you automatically assume they're trying to burglarize you? Right then, I've now got every single person thinking about, wow, what's this case about? And why is the government doing this? Uh, so like, just the way you frame it. Do you think it's your questions approved before you ask them? 
Fuck no. Better to ask them for forgiveness and permission because what they're going to do is the DA will just object and that makes it look shady because the, the, the jury wants to know the answer. They want to hear, they want to have their opinion heard. So it's gamesmanship, right? There's a lot of times where I don't object uh, on a DA's line of questioning because he's either digging himself a hole, even though I know it's clearly like hearsay uh, testimony that I'm getting as a response. Like I don't object to every, like I do object like obnoxiously, if you guys could guess that, um, to the point, like in, in a case where I know it's going to go to appeal, you have to, uh, and I'm feeling like I'm going to lose, which is rare. But in those cases, like you've got to object to everything just to give yourself a shot on appeal. But for the most part, I try to let the natural flow of a trial kind of go because people, you know, the jury like wants to hear a story. They're not there to hear the evidence. They want to hear the story. And so the way that you present evidence and questioning in a trial is boring as fuck. Like you only get two opportunities to do a narrative like basis of your case, which is opening statement and closing statement. And so I pretty much put all of my case into my opening statement because I want them to already believe my side of the story before they hear any evidence. And so I do that by doing these memes and I ask questions that are hypothetical like that so that I can get a really good idea of what does this person believe? What's their background like? Uh, you know, it's hard to get in people's heads, but um, there's some commonalities amongst professions and stuff where, and like another thing is a huge one is race. Um, we'll get into an episode. I want to have a, uh, I'm going to have a, 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 one of my uh, black attorney friends on. He's going to discuss, we're going to go over race based stuff. Like, I think that's going to be really helpful for the, for the, uh, public is to because people think like if I have a black defendant I automatically want black jurors but there are people especially older uh, African Americans that like punish younger African Americans who screw up so you got to be real careful sometimes about just automatically assuming that you have somebody on your side uh, just because of their skin color and that's like a huge mistake that that lawyers make and you know we'll we'll get into that and we'll talk about that but I think that you know, when you pick a jury, you've got to be creative, you've got to have visual aids, you've got to have kind of a way to command the room. Um, because the DAs are start they still use PowerPoint. PowerPoint is boring. But I mean, and, also, I think it's I think it's important to know that very rarely can you actually really persuade someone of something because people yeah i'm not going to change their minds but right. i want them to just i want them to shift their realities for a day or exactly two. Just people just put them in everything, my shoes everything in your reality is just it's just confirms the narrative that's already existing in your head right and everything Absolutely. that doesn't fit with that narrative of how you believe the world works you just don't even your brain just completely and that's ignored. why people that don't have any friends or whatever and only have their phones I only see the world as a chaotic, terrible place. Like if they had so, real friends and stuff, like they would be fine. And exactly. They so the need whenever, to tweet all this bullshit. Right. So whenever you're picking the jury, it's really important that like you're not you're not trying to pick people with the potential for you to convince them. You're trying to pick people who already believe what you're about to. You know what I'm saying? Before you even start the story, they've already got my case. They're they already, already fighting know, yeah. for me. And, and I'm trying to hide the DA from knowing which ones I want, because when you, when you pick, you get to challenge people for cause, right? So if you, if you state that you can't be fair or biased in the case, then you're automatically disqualified. So everyone's like, nah, I'm fair. I'm biased. I'm not, I'm, I'm not biased. Uh, you know, I'm pretty fair. <laughs> no, you're not. Half the people that walk in there are looking to just have you said like, anyone who says they are fair or biased or disqualified. Anyone that is not fair or biased is legally disqualified oh, so that okay. is a technical legal element to disqualify a potential juror um and there's two which is uh that they won't follow the law or that they won't be fair and uh and, and prejudiced about the case so you've got so then uh, other lawyers will try and, and nuke the jury pool by like putting up a set of facts wherein the exact crime happens but it happens in another county and you see which people would convict despite that and then you can disqualify them for that reason. So you can, in cases where like, if you don't want to go to trial, I, I like, I'll present a scenario like in Texas, for instance, there's a thing called the 3822 exception. I think that's what it is. Fuck, I should probably make sure. But it's the fruit of the poisonous tree. And that basically means that I'll, I'll say to the jury pool, who here believes that if someone gets pulled over for uh, an invalid reason, 
that even if the officer finds something in the trunk that is illegal, a dead body, drugs, whatever it is, you still have to find him not guilty if you find that he did not have probable cause or reasonable suspicion to stop him in the first place. And the people that I can get knocked off a jury pool just that by answering no uh, is incredible. So like sometimes I keep that in my back pocket for when I want to, if I don't feel like I have a good jury, I'll just try and like get a new pool. I'll knock that. That's kind of a called a nuclear option for lawyers, but essentially it makes jurors uh, contemplate the, 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 the proposition that you can't use evidence that is procured illegally. So if an officer pulls you over for speeding, but in fact you were five below the limit, then they cannot use any evidence that they find in your trunk against you because they didn't have original purpose to pull you over. Now, what they've done now is they've gotten real crafty about this thing called mistake of law. And the Supreme Court has covered for these cops for decades now where they have all of these special exceptions and stuff. And so like that, when we talk about police reform, that is the stuff that we need to get into, which is, uh, you know, how we reform the way that actual policing is done uh, can make it way more accountable. So I think that, you know, once you... And once you lay it out for the jury, you basically, um, you're presenting the evidence in the form of questions, right? So the DA has to ask these open-ended questions. And then when I get to cross-examine, I get to ask uh, leading questions. So I'm like, well, you didn't actually do this, did you? And I can say that, but like when you're asking uh, your witness, you can only ask who, what, where, when, why questions, um, which is an interesting thing that people may not have known. So uh, you can't lead a witness when you, it's your witness and, uh, and it's favorable to your um, case. So, But you are allowed to lead someone that's not your witness? Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and like in Texas, you can use, you can discuss, like, so it used to be <laughs> that all of the subject of cross-examination was limited to the scope of the direct, but now you can ask them about anything in Texas, which is great because like I'll just subpoena their internal affairs records and I'll start asking them about how they lied, you know, five years ago on a case and what and why why they're not a liar now. And so, like when I do that, um, you know, it really it opens up the, the jury's minds. And so, like in opening, I'm like, you're gonna hear some dirty deets on the on the cop. The prosecutor objects, but I still have it in their mind. And even though the officer or the the court will always sustain the objection and tell the jury to disregard it, they still heard it. So like you you've got, you know. Um, different little tricks and strategies that you're always doing to kind of to get into these people's minds, man, because that's what you've got to do. Because like, if, if you've got some lazy ass lawyer, the DA could just get up there and be like, no, he did this, this and this. And, uh, you know, if you get up there, like, no, we didn't like, that's not a very good defense, <laughs> especially if your guy has priors and you can't have him testify. Like people don't understand, like you're taking a big risk and people usually want to hear from the defendant. Like when I talk to most juries and I don't have my client testify, they're like, man, I really wanted to hear his side of the story. And I had to like, be like, well, I couldn't put him up there because you would have found out he had like two other coke convictions, <laughs> right? Or like something ridiculous. But um, usually when you don't have priors, like it's a lot easier to go and testify on your own behalf in your case. But like when you, I've already presented to the jury that you're a prior criminal, you're generally not going to have a lot of credibility. So that is a big consideration. Um, and so, yeah, I think that like using memes, using uh, new media, being different, being goofy, you know, I, I'm not a square personality. I've got uh, life in me, you know, so that's not common for our profession. It's a bunch of dinosaurs that are like, we don't want to, like, oh, this sucks. Like, everything is negative. Fuck that, man. Like, I'm going to lead the new way into this. Like, we're going to, we're going to defend people's rights and have a good time doing it. Like, that's what I do. And like, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be useful for my clients. I will give them, I will make, I, and I, what I promise them is I don't leave any like stone unturned. You know, when I go to trial on a case, I've got to have some angles, uh, especially if the facts aren't favorable to me. So it truly is like a learning experience. And the only way you build this is by doing it and uh, trial by fire, you know, and like, you don't read about it. You can talk, you can listen to me talk about it, but it's not going to make you get up and, and be better in front of people. The only way to do it is by trying cases. So unfortunately, it's tough right now to even do that because as much fun content it would have been for this episode to have been me talking about getting dragged into court uh, in handcuffs, it 
honestly would have been so much more of a pain in the ass for that to happen. So I'm glad that it didn't. And, um, and, and as much content as I'm denying the viewers for, uh, <laughs> for just like not letting that go down, I'm sorry, people like you've got to, uh, you've got to protect your clients, but you've got to protect yourselves. And so like, I can't fight for my other clients if I'm in jail, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing them any favors. So like, you've got to, you've got to draw a fine line there of, of, of when to throw down for your clients, but also like pray that a judge is going to like see some reason. Um, and luckily this one did. So yeah, honestly, I think that this is a good place to wrap up this episode. I think that we have kind of touched on a bunch of different stuff today, uh, giving y'all a little bit of a, an insight into how I pick a jury and just by shaming all of you virtue signalers today. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not sorry for doing that. And I, uh, I love you guys and I need y'all support. Um, please make memes making fun of me. I, I honestly would be sad and remiss if you didn't. Uh, if I'm putting my face out there, I, I expect it at this point. So um, that being said, though, if you're going to rate me, just do like five stars, please. No, no negative. Um, that would be bad. So. <laughs> we, we look forward to your profanity-filled response. <laughs> yes. Leave, uh, if you leave a funny review, I'll read it on air. So um, please, uh, we are going to have our first guest next week. Um, I know I've been promising that, which is great. I, as long as I keep promising stuff, you know, you guys will never know if it actually is going to come out, you know, I'll be yeah, you uh, keep them I, on their toes. <laughs> it's like three months later. We got our first guest episode 31. Um, no guys, we're going to get him out there. It's just, we're still, we're figuring all this out. We're getting better. And, uh, and that's another thing is like, give us your feedback. Uh, only positive though. Um, nothing negative. We will only be taking positive feedback and, um, and, and, and anything that, glorifies me or makes me look better like that's all appreciated and and honestly i think that that is needed um you know it's a law dog it's the law dog way and so we've got to stay together in that regard and uh and honestly guys i i no matter what happens with this election stuff and i'll end it on this it doesn't fucking matter okay like i don't know one listening to this is very powerful <laughs> right like there's no one out there that's like oh this kid's telling us all the truth no guys like this is just one opinion and that's i'm just trying to provide funny content for y'all and something different and i just hope that y'all realize that it's gonna be a long winter we are going to have protracted legal battles on both sides no matter what happened if it was trump that was ahead or biden was ahead they were gonna fucking file lawsuits on each other uh, I wanted to sh quickly share um, this news story that I found, and this kind of ties into the uh, stuff that I was talking about on my election day episode, which was, you know, the perpetuation of the status quo. So let me pull up real quick here. Kosh, make sure that I can, you can see my screen. Affirmative. Good. Yep. Okay, so this was an article that came out on the New York Times on August the 8th, uh, and it says the voting will end November 3rd, the legal battle probably won't. And so even in this article, like, so the New York Times predicted all of this, uh, and they kind of just, I mean, we should have known this was all coming, but um, <clears throat> they even state the possibility of an ugly November, this is back in August, mind you possibility of an ugly November and perhaps even December and January has emerged more starkly in recent days. President Trump complains that the election will be rigged and Democrats accuse him of trying to make that a self-fulfilling prophecy. So then they even go down and um, they're like, the, the clash is vastly, like that clash has been vastly complicated this year by the challenge of, a of holding a national election in the middle of a deadly pandemic with a greater reliance on mail-in voting that could prolong the counting in a way that turns election day into election week or election month. And then uh, essentially they're like, if it's, they even put here in this, in this paragraph, if the candidate who appears ahead on election night ends up losing later on, he said, it will fuel, and this is Richard P. Richard H. Pildes, a constitutional scholar at New York University School of Law, and he quote says, 
I have no, I, I have no doubt the situation will be explosive uh, because if a candidate who appears ahead on election night ends up losing later on, it will fuel suspicion, conspiracy theories, and polarization. So, of course, here we are with conspiracy theories, polarization, uh, just as predicted. But here's some good news, guys. Where gridlock status quo persists, people. The stock market went fucking skyrocketing. That's all you guys need to know about why nothing's ever going to actually change. Uh, investors, can you, that? can you explain that further? Why yeah. You- so basically, like this article is Bloomberg, and it states <clears throat> divided government provides a breathing a sigh of relief for big pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> Uh, the fact that the Republicans are holding the Senate and increasing their votes in the House is giving business comfort that there's not going to be any dramatic change. Great. Just what we needed, dramatic change. Uh, <laughs> you're looking at a divided government, mostly continuation of the status quo. And from the perspective of pharma or managed care, honestly, that's pretty good. So <laughs> why is a divided government better for pharma? Because they get to continue making money. There's no changes that would come. Uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's honestly, no matter who wins the white house, if the Senate control is if the Senate's controlled by McConnell, then he's not going to let anything get through. So any sort of agenda that Biden tried to push forward would have to be a centrist, uh, agenda that, and any sort of judicial nominations that he put forward have to be centrist for his cabinet. So the, he has a my, Republican Senate. My favorite part about the, the U S government is how the founding fathers went out of their way to make any sort of change almost fucking impossible like it's hard to, on purpose it is it was yeah it was a checks it was a checks and balances like for example in other countries as soon as one one party gets ahead the leader of that party is prime minister and then they just shove a shit ton of legislation out and then it's just drastic changes here and there the united no, states man, we drag our feet in america it's yeah status you can't quo. get anything done but that's a good thing like it's not we're not as um I feel like we're yeah, not. Yeah, look, but it's a good thing, and it's a it's a it's a bad thing for our hungry and our poor's people. It's a good thing for the rich. Uh, it's great. It's great for the rich. Everything will stay kind of the same. So look, that's the thing. Uh, is that even if Biden or or Trump wins, the rich people still fucking run the show. Guys. I don't think so, so. I don't. So I personally don't believe that cha- any any sort of change that happens too quickly is sustainable, bro. So it because eventually it always reverts back to the norm. So. If, if it's like a, some sort of any sort of drastic change, people, things always like the pendulum always swings back the other way, away eventually. Whereas for any sort of sustained long-term growth or change or progress, it has to happen over time through discussion, exactly like the, the shelf we were talking about, the people posting their yeah. names, but, but not- It's like, stop, in- stop the gaslighting, stop the shaming, stop the guilting. Let's, it's like, it's have a conversation. that's the way they want to fight the war, then you're going to lose, okay? Because you're going to lose the way. If you, if you think you can just sh- like shut up someone else because they have a political opinion, it's, you're going to lose. Especially, and I'm, I, I hate coming off like I'm like a super conservative. I'm not, bro. But especially like liberals, they love just being entitled in, in, in sort of a lot of arguments. Like, oh, we're, well, you know, do you not care about I mean, people? Like, like no yeah well that- they're like you 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 support fascism like they they make a lot of presumptions and that's okay they're very upset about this about this man who is kind of like a crazy individual and he's he's on their television screens all the time and they're addicted to hating him and so i get it like it's 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 understandable if you actually cared about what trump said um but a lot of people don't they care about what is happening in their bank accounts dude and but they again, care it's it goes back to the don't you know don't look at what he says look at what he does he doesn't actually do shit he, he no just, he just turns up the entire time golfing like it's okay that you know what i'm saying he's not is he and obama obama not. did the say he golfed a lot too man exactly. and that's the is thing he, is like they don't they don't do as much as they think we as they don't do as much as we think they do and until people realize that then i don't know what else to tell them like yeah guys so i just wanted to end it on that like just love each other people fucking get together talk to someone you disagree with like make that your homework for this week is to not just assume something about someone who voted differently than you but maybe send them an instagram message and be like hey look um I love you as a friend and I'm just maybe wondering like, why do you feel this way? And then maybe you get on the same page and start to see that it's just different factions of rich people dividing us. And like, until they do, it's not going to change, but I hope that 
I think that people really are waking up to it. And so it gives me hope. And I see what well, you can't negate 69 million people's voices and their votes. And like, if you try to do that, you're setting yourself up to just get gaslit yourself. And so honestly, before the conservatives kind of turn back on you and gaslight the fuck out of you, which they probably are want to do or wanting to do, uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's like, these people need to stop this virtue signaling bullshit. Like you're typing all this stuff out on devices made by slave labor. So, okay. <laughs> We're all hypocrites and you've got to realize that we have it fucking way too easy in America. The poorest people have phones and internet and televisions. Like they don't have to go and search for water and food and, and, and clean their huts. All right. Like this is, this is perspective people. You live in the, in the nicest place in the world, okay? And you've got to realize that no matter what your situation is, it's probably better off than somebody that's in Sudan or whatever. So let's keep that in perspective. Let's love each other. And let's come back next week for a kick-ass fucking episode. Come back. Texas Law Dogs got you covered right here. Episode five next week. First guest. Love you guys. See you next week. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Texas Law Dog Podcast. Next week, we've got our first guest, finally, coming on to the show. Uh, we have a special bonus Halloween video episode that we released on YouTube, so you can go ahead and click on my Instagram profile, at TXLawDog, to go ahead and get the link to that. And uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, or follow, or don't. Um, but if you would, that would be really great. So, uh, yeah, love you guys. Thank you for the dozen of you that are currently listening to this. And if you're enjoying the content thus far, I'd only ask that you please share it with two people. And, uh, that would really go a long way in helping me get this thing off the ground. So thank you guys. I love y'all. See y'all next week.